Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the saga of Steve Rogers. My name is Tom, and I'm so fucking glad to have you back. I'm glad to be back myself. Uh, if you're here for the first time, where have you been? And if you've been here before, welcome back. I'm glad you're here. Glad you stuck around. Um, this is episode 275. Um, I'm interviewing somebody that I met online. Uh, there's a bunch of podcast groups. And I met her through another person in one of the podcast groups, but her name's Lisa Peronzo. She is a fucking warrior at heart. Um, she runs her own business. She has an amazing story. She started out in the military, got really injured in the military. Um, she was uh, a fucking go-getter. Um, and, and then was taken out of the go-getter business for a long time. And uh, her struggle is documented here. And the success that she came out the other end and used her strengths um, to start an, uh, her own business and an amazing business. And um, I, I couldn't wait for you guys to hear this. Uh, it was recorded a little while ago, so I say I couldn't wait for you to hear it. And then it's been a little while since we recorded. Um, I had some COVID shit in my house and things have been a little struggle here, but I'm glad to be at the tail end of it all, out the other end, as it were, not the poop shoot, but close-ish, I guess. Uh, but anyway, this is part one with Lisa. I hope you enjoy it. Um, the, the email address is steve at sagostevrogers.com. If you know somebody that should be on here, if you're like, fuck, that girl Lisa's amazing, um, but I think I have a better story. I love to hear people's stories. My business card says everybody has a story, and I want to hear yours, and I truly mean that. Everybody has a story, and I want to hear everybody's story. So there's a seat across from me. I'm vaccinated. I'm masking up like a motherfucker. You want to sit across from me. You want to call in like Lisa did. Please, Steve at SagaSteveRogers.com is the email address. Holler at your boy. Love to have you on. Um, if you're interested in supporting the show, Patreon.com slash SagaOfSteveRogers. The archive, if you want to go back and listen to some of the greatest hits, the 274 episodes before this. Um, wherever you're listening, there's probably not as deep cuts as maybe 10, 15 episodes. But SagaOfSteveRogers.com has the archive going all the way back to the beginning. It also has the blog. The blog is what started it all. Um, so you can go back and read my blog. Um, I will give Lisa's little superlatives at the end, um, but please check her out. She's an amazing person. Without further ado, after, fuck, almost three minutes of ado, here's Lisa. Yeah, I think we're good, as long as you can hear me, because I do have you on speakerphone. I can hear you perfect. Awesome. And if it gets bad, I'll just tell you to pick it up. Take me off. <laughs> Be like, take me off the speakerphone already, damn it. Exactly. So you listened to um, one of the episodes with my wife, huh? Yeah. I like her. She's funny. I feel like you guys should do the podcast together. You know, I, I tell her that all the time, and she's like, that's the dumbest thing ever. She doesn't understand why people 
want to hear her. She doesn't understand podcasts to begin with. She's like, it's talk radio. Who cares? Which, you know, feels awesome since that's kind of something I do. So, Right. You're like, I really like how you're invested in something that like I really, truly enjoy. Yeah. I mean, it's not a business. I'm not doing it to make money, but I'm doing it. You know, it's therapy. It keeps me out of the therapist office and keeps me out of wearing an orange jumpsuit. You know, if I have to kill somebody. So word. Yeah. I tell my clients all the time. I'm saving them on bail money. They just pay me. When here in Arizona, I wouldn't be wearing orange. I'd be wearing that striped. We had Sheriff Joe Arpaio, and I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he would make the prisoners wear those black and white striped outfits, and they would only eat bologna sandwiches. He was a real piece of work. Well, I mean, prison isn't supposed to be cute or comfortable, right? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. But then he was was found guilty of, what was he found guilty of? I can't even remember. Um, profiling or something, and then the president pardoned him right afterwards. It was the shortest, oh, uh, shortest sentence in history or something. Yeah, it was awesome. But we're not here to talk about the president or Joe Arpaio. We're here to talk yeah, about I know. you. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. So first off, <laughs> introduce yourself. Tell tell my listeners who you are. So my name is Lisa Peronzo. I'm the CEO and founder of a company called A Healthful Life, which is a company of my own creation, uh, which is an online personal training platform, basically. Easiest way to put it. And what I do is I custom tailor fitness solutions for the busy adult. Boom. Boom. <laughs> That's the, the, the elevator pitch, as they call it. Yeah, I'm like that that's my elevator pitch and now we'll go for the deep dive. So you live in California now, but where were you born? I was actually born in California as well. So I was born in the Los Angeles area and now I live in the San Diego area. So California native. California native. Pretty much native. Wow. Yeah. Most people Did you stay living there your entire life or did you move and then come back? I've been here pretty much my whole life. Really? I would go out. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing here. It is. My but- husband is from Northern California and he's like down here now. He's like, man, you can get like every climate in San Diego within like 30 minutes from where we live. Okay. It's not. I went to San Diego it's last year. I took. Desert took two of my daughters and we went out on a whale watching tour and we just hung out for like three or four days down there. It was beautiful. Oh yeah. You can't beat the weather. I mean, we pay a weather tax. It's not like an official thing. You won't see it written into stuff, but the cost of living here is kind of crazy because of the weather. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, this is mid January. So you know, a few weeks probably until this airs or whatever, and we've had 90-degree heat for the past two days. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to get mad at that. It's really hard to get mad at that. And yeah. My daughter's like, you want to go to the beach? And I'm like, okay. Yeah, we went to the beach. I didn't go in the water. I'm from Florida, so I'm used to heat uh-huh. and uh, the warm yeah. water. That water was not warm, but my daughters were out there frolicking like like insane people. 
What beach? Now I have to know. That's a really good question. I don't know. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> we were. I I've got it somewhere, and I'll pull up pictures and maybe put those in the show notes. But we were staying. I don't know. I wish I knew. I don't know. We were right on the ocean, on the, on the ocean though, because there was a dock right out in front of us. And yeah. oh, nice. Yeah, I don't know. It was expensive. The whale watching stuff is typically. I don't doubt that. Did it have yeah. waves, or was it more like a bay? Because uh, San Diego has a lot of bays. People don't realize that. No, we were. It had waves. It was. It was wavy, definitely. Okay. Yeah, but it was a I'm good like, time. Oh yeah, you can't beat it out here. And and I, I never th- will retire here. Yeah, but it works for now. I never thought I would find good barbecue there, but I had amazing barbecue, and I can't remember the name of the barbecue place. Was uh, it by the whale watching place? It was near there. Yeah, it was, it was um, probably either no. Bill's barbecue. What was it? Bill's barbecue. No, I don't think so. It had a camera. This place was so packed all the time. They have a camera up there to show you how many people are waiting in line. So you can log in from home and go, yeah, the line's not that bad. We'll go. And I have the name somewhere else again. It was it, my daughters and I were just like, I was like, we're going to the barbecue place. And they were both like, barbecue sucks. They, it was, they still talk about it a year and a half later. They're like we should go back just to get ribs. <laughs> I wonder if if it was like a super teeny tiny place by some big old hotels, like by where you whale watch, because I know where you whale watch. They only do that out of one point in San Diego, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, and if it was a teeny tiny, like look like a hole in the wall in the midst of like a metropolis. No, no, not really. It was a standalone. It was a standalone. Um, building and the rest of the strip center was pretty much abandoned. I mean, it was in not a great neighborhood. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't. Dang, know. Now I want the name. I know, I'll find it and I'll send it to you, and you could go there and tell me that I'm yeah, wrong, that like, it's not the best barbecue, and you'll tell me the place yeah, I should go next time. Um, we're lucky in San Diego because we have all different kinds of food. Like you could come to San Diego and never eat at a chain restaurant. That was our, that fact, was the eat it for that trip. I said we're not eating at a single chain restaurant the entire time. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And they were like, "But, but, but." I was like, "No, we're going there. We're doing it yeah. my way." Yeah, you really don't need to. There's so many amazing food options. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I'm so glad you had a good trip. I mean, most people do. You can't. There's so much to do. So much to do. Yeah. Yeah, just walking around and looking at stuff. I mean, it was it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the girls were like, oh, we're going to walk around the docks. I was like, shut up. Trust me. And it was amazing. <laughs> just trust me. We're going to have a great time. And they did. So we went to the like, zoo. Forced family bonding. Get on fucking board. Exactly. We're going to the fucking zoo and you're going to enjoy it. And they had the greatest time. They're like, really we don't want to leave. The zoo was like, the all right, you have to leave. It's time to go home now. And I was like, I don't, they don't want to leave. I thought they wouldn't enjoy it as much as they did, but it was awesome. Oh, that makes my heart happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud to be from this city. We have a lot to offer. The biggest negative really is the cost of living. It's shitty. But everything else is amazing. 
Yeah, it was it was really beautiful. It was very beautiful. Um, we I take that back. We did eat at one chain restaurant one morning when we were going to the beach. We just pulled into a Burger King, and it was the worst sketch ghetto Burger King in the world. Like we saw junkies just sitting there, passed out in the booths, and it, it was it was really really sketch. Um, and we ate and then called us. Was, was the that beach. in the downtown area? Because I think I know where that is. Too. I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I totally know which Burger King that was. Perfect. Yeah, it was super sketch. <laughs> and, I, and and there was a guy arguing with the, the cashier, like screaming at her. And she had this look on her face like, whatever. Like this happens every day. I was like grabbing my daughters and pulling them closer. And she was just like, whatever. Keep here. She get like it was like he he she didn't give him enough change back or something. She's like, no, I gave you the right money. He's screaming about a nickel or a quarter or something. She goes, and she even said she goes here, motherfucker, and she put the quarter down on the table. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that lady is my spirit animal. Like that was the you greatest know, move ever. She's like, get the fuck out of my face. Yeah, right she was such a baller, man. I was like, she is not afraid. I'm terrified for me and my daughters. And this lady's like cursing <laughs> out the, the crazy, wild-eyed, crackhead junkie. And I was like, oh, my God, this is her every day. Anyway, she grew up in Los yeah. Angeles, you said. Uh, I did not live in Los Angeles for that long. I would say that I grew up in San Diego. Okay. So how old were you when you moved to San Diego? Oh, like a baby. Oh, okay. We had family in Los Angeles still. And so like in the summers, we would go up and see them and vacation up there and stuff like that. So um, I definitely got a lot of like L.A. exposure, I would say. But yeah, I, you know, my my growing up was San Diego. And I got lucky. I got real lucky. What'd your parents do? My mom was. God bless her, a preschool teacher. And then when I got hurt, she became, an, which I know we'll get into, an assistant director at the preschool she worked in. And then my dad was a financial advisor for the county of San Diego. Okay. And you have siblings? I have one older brother. He is a firefighter in San Diego and his wife is a nurse. So we're quite the um, service-oriented family. Sounds like it. When and we'll talk about your you service in a little bit, but um, oh yeah, are your parents still together? Oh, yeah. My parents have been together. If I recall the story correctly, they met when they were teenagers and didn't date or anything and then re-met in college and started dating. They got married in like the early 70s and they're still together. Man. It's amazing, and they are freaking hilarious together. My husband, all the time, he's like, dude, I'm moving with your parents in a hot second. He's like, I love it. Man, that's quite the success story. Oh, yeah. You just want to, like, talk to them and, like, hang out with them, and they have, you know, so much knowledge, and they're willing to, like, share all their stories and the shit that they went through growing up because, they both grew up in L.A. Both of their families moved here from the East Coast. My mom from North Carolina and my dad from Rhode Island. And my mom, her family moved to the Crenshaw District. Ooh. Uh, and yeah, in the 50s, when it wasn't what it was now. And they stayed there through, I want to say, the early 80s. 
And then my dad's family, I want to say they moved to like the Inglewood area, maybe somewhere else first. And then they moved into Newport Beach. So they have a lot of, you know, that like worldly experience. I just gain a lot from talking to them and hearing about their experiences growing up and, you know, all the stuff that they went through, all the shit that they saw. And it's, it's, it's a cool thing to see. And it's cool that they're so close to us now. They only live like 30 minutes from me. Oh, nice. Because I get to have them be like super involved in my life and super involved in my daughter's life. And uh, I, I, that was what I wanted. Like if I have a family, which was what I wanted growing up, you know, I wanted to be a mom and stuff. I wanted to have like grandparent involvement. And I got very blessed that I have that on both sides. A mom and stuff. That made me smile. <laughs> like I want to be a mom and stuff. Yeah. Not just a mom. Right? But. I didn't really just and stuff. I didn't really know what being a parent would entail. Nobody does. I, remember, I think I told you when we talked, I remember one of my friends saying when I was pregnant, like, this is going to be a Thunderdome. And I was like, I don't doubt that. But I didn't actually come into the realization of those words until I had my daughter. And then I was like, oh, this is a fucking Thunderdome. Yeah. But you have yeah, one. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Nine total now because we just brought two more. So I, I don't know how you guys do it. Yeah. It's insane. One is insane. Yeah, it's tough. Um, so your parents had two, you and your brother. Who was the favorite? Mm-hmm. Be honest. I don't think you know what? I don't know. I honestly can't say that they had a favorite. They did a really good job of making sure that each of them had quality time with us individually and then us as a family. Like, I remember my dad taking me out on dates when I was a kid. That's awesome. Yeah, I I very distinctly remember one of the dates being he took me to McDonald's because that was where I wanted to eat. Mm -hmm. And then we went and saw the Beavis and Butthead movie because that was what I wanted to do. Beavis and Butthead do America. Beavis and Butthead. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And even now, my my mom and I will just go out and do stuff. We vacation with them. It's awesome. That's really, really, really awesome. That's special because most people don't get that. And they don't realize how how much they're losing out by not having that. Right. But I think for me, it's more of the like, I realize how much I have with it now. And it's not something that I'm willing to take for granted. You know, like they're both in their early 70s and they're so active. They have a personal trainer. Like my mom has a busier social calendar than anybody I've ever met. (laughs) Literally sometimes has to schedule time with her. It's fine. Um, but it's, it's awesome to me to see them like, you know, they're both retired now, like enjoying their retirement and enjoying their life and, you know, having fun with the grandkids and my brother has two kids and, you know, getting to, I mean, they really are just living their best life and that's amazing. And it's also amazing to me that I can have a relationship with my parents and with my in-laws too where I want to spend time with them. I want to be around them. Like we just, my parents and my family just went up to the Palm Springs area. Uh, like, I don't know, right before Thanksgiving. 
and got an Airbnb, went up for the weekend. I have a great uncle who lives up there. I wanted my daughter to meet him. And we got to spend time with him and go hike Joshua Tree. And it, it was awesome. Wow. I've, I've, driven, I've driven through Joshua Tree, I think, on the way to California. No? Maybe. Do you drive through? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. We, we went out of our way to go through there. Um, and it was it was you pretty can beautiful. Totally drive through it. Yeah, um, but you took a vacation during COVID, huh? Well, we did an Airbnb. We've done a couple. We did one in Big Bear, uh, like right before it got cold up there, and then we did the Palm Springs one. It's worked out great. You know, you don't have to. The Airbnb changed all their policies with COVID, so you don't have to like hunt after the owner of the house to get the keys to get in or whatever. There's a key fob out and you just let yourself into the home. It's been fantastic. Oh, okay. I've never done an Airbnb. I don't know why. Whenever we travel, we just stay in a hotel, but I love it because you have your own kitchen and stuff. And my husband and I really like to cook. So that way we can, you know, either bring our own food up or hit a grocery store when we're up there, buy what we need. And then we're saving money because we're not having to go out to eat unless we like want to. Is it cheaper? Yeah, I think so. Is it? Che- I mean, not I've, obviously the food's cheaper. Cooking your own food would be a lot cheaper than eating out in a restaurant. But I mean, is the Airbnb per day cheaper than staying in a hotel? I would say it's pretty comparable. Okay. But the savings is... You're not in a hotel. You don't have to pay for parking if you're in a that kind of hotel. Right. And okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you don't have to pay for like all the hotel entities. Yeah, you grew up in. It's worth it. When did you move to Cal, uh, to San Diego again? I'm sorry, you were a child, right? So basically, oh, I was you, a baby. your entire yeah. life is San Diego. Yeah, that's horrible. I feel so sad for you. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I grew up with this amazing weather all year long. So in school, <laughs> were you a good student or were you like, how were you as a student? I think I was a good student. I I mean, my grade point average, even through college, was always really good. Okay. Studying and stuff like that, I got really fortunate. It was something that was super easy for me to pick up on and be able to pass the tests and like do all the things. Like, even now, with all the fitness certifications and stuff, it's not, it sounds like so asshole-ish of me, but not, like, it's not a difficulty for me. I think I have such a curious brain that I want to learn stuff. And then retaining that is not that hard. My brain, you know when you're a kid and they're like, they'll say a word to you and you have, and based off of how you see it in your brain or how you imagine it in your brain, they figure out like you're a visual learner, you're an auditory learner, right. whatever, like how you process information. Mm-hmm. So they would always test us and they would say, cow. And like, what do you, what happened? And I told my teacher one time, I was like, I see a farm, like red farmhouse, green pastures with the fence, with a cow mooing that says cow on the side of the cow. <laughs> I picture Chick-fil-A, like which is horrible. 
<laughs> you picture that one billboard. It's like, eat more chicken. Yeah. <laughs> the horrible spelling and the cows with the bucket of paint. Yeah. That's what I picture. <laughs> that's awesome. But yours said so, cow on it. Yeah. Said cow and mood and a saw cow. Nice. And then you mentioned college. Where'd you go to college? I got my bachelor's at Cal State San Marcos in psychology, and then I got my master's in human behavior from National University. I did, I don't know why I did this. I did an accelerated master's program because I wanted to be done faster. So that's <laughs> instead of four years, it's how, how many years is typically, it? Typically, that degree is two. I think I did it in. 18 months, 12, okay. 18 months, something like that is fucking nuts. Got it. Okay. But you know, like we, my husband and I were married, but we didn't have kids. So I was like, well, if I'm going to get my master's, I want to do it now before we have a family, you know, because mm -hmm. studying when you have kids is like fucking impossible. So that was what I did. And it was a, an absolute grind. It was worth it, but it was a grind. And you were working at the same time. Oh yeah. Would you do? Well, let's back that's up. Hold on. What What was your first job? Your very first My job first you ever had? Job. Oh shit! Now I got a really. I had a few jobs through high school. One of my first jobs, my favorite one, I worked at uh, a music store, but not like I'm going to totally age myself. Not like the warehouse or whatever where you sold like CDs and shit like that. Not like that. Right. It was like a recording studio that also sold musical instruments and sheet music and had like music lessons and stuff like that. Okay. And I started learning music when I was nine. So my manager there was my choir director. That's how I knew him. And then the owner of the store was my flute teacher. So I would like go in, have a lesson and then work. But it was super cool because I got to like learn how to fix instruments. And when we would have dead time, it would be like grab a guitar off the wall. Let's go fuck around on a guitar. Like go in the back, bang on some drums. Like it was the coolest job ever. Yeah, it totally sounds cool. Like it's not like, oh, I, sell, I work at the Gap or I work at the mall selling clothes. Like you you had something that gave you something other than just a paycheck. Yeah. That's and awesome. it was, I think I was the youngest person who worked there at the time. So it definitely upped my maturity level because I was the youngest person. I was around a shitload of adults who were all professional musicians. Because they would gig, you know, and then do music lessons. So it would be professional musicians would go and teach a lesson when they would have downtime. They would come out and like shoot the shit with us or whatever. And then people who work there go back, teach a lesson. The only people I saw who were my age or younger were the students coming in to take the lesson. But all of my, you know, quote unquote peers there were grown up. You know, that's how I viewed him at the time. I was a kid. But did you realize then, how, how great that job was at the time? Or you just learned oh, feeling yeah. that in retrospect? Oh, yeah. I love that job. Okay. It was so much fun. And then I went and I worked at a grocery store, which was also a super fucking cool environment. 
like maybe a couple more people my age, but not many. And then I used to work, you know, I work after school. So I would always work like the closing shift. So my manager would be like, yeah, bring in your books to study or whatever. And when it would get slow at night, I would sit on like the area where you bag your groceries. I would sit there and study. It was awesome. Was that a big chain or was that like a, a smaller like mom and pop place? Because I can't imagine somebody at Vons or just saying, hey, yes, no, sit there and do it was Ralph's. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just didn't that picture that being a big chain. It. Like the manager in a big chain, usually I would think like corporate up, to, you know, they get about profit and you need, right. if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. And that's awesome that no. he wasn't. No, he was totally cool. And he let me do, cause I was, you know, a bagger. So I didn't have like a shitload of responsibility, but he would be like, yeah, go back in the deli and like help her make blah 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 or whatever prep whatever food for tomorrow. So I got to learn how to like cook certain things or like prep food in certain ways. Or he would like have me check people out as a cashier when I wasn't one. <laughs> but I got to be a part of their food workers union, which was cool too. People, the grocery store industry is amazing because you get paid more because of the union. Right. Not a bad gig. No, not at all. At all. So you, why did you leave the the uh, music store? I actually don't remember. Hmm. I don't remember it being like a a hard break or anything like that. I think I just left and I went and started working for the grocery store. I'd have to ask my mom. She probably remembers what happened. <laughs> She's a better memory than me. Also I ask her who was the favorite. She'll tell you now because, you know. <laughs> She won't. She's she's like Fort Knox like that. I think they. I think that my parents like us for different reasons in different ways. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. It There's totally no, like, does. Totally does. So you kind of you alluded know, like, to your injury. Oh yeah. Foreshadowing that, that bear. Yeah. That bear of a thing. So. Because I know your your listeners like the deep dive. I like I I will deep dive this shit. Please, if you want me to. So I I was coming towards the end of high school and trying to figure out. You know, when you're 18. Side note: Can I just say, why do we expect these young children to know what they want to be when they grow up? When they're like young children. I, In retrospect, now I'm like I have no fucking idea what I wanted to do when I was 18. No, I all I, I had no idea either. I, I actually signed right? up for the army while I was in high school because my stepfather kind of coerced me. into. He's like, you, you know, it'll make you man, make you man. And I was like, all right, whatever. And so I did it. And then it, it got time to graduate and time for me to go. And he bought me a T-shirt that said, um, join the army, go to strange foreign lands, meet interesting people and then kill them. And I was I wore that shirt Talk once and I was like, holy fuck, I, I can't do this. Like I, I can't, I had mm -hmm. to figure out a way to get out of going into the military and I did. So, but I had signed a pro, yeah. I mean, I signed the papers. I was in the delayed entry program. I had to fail high school. So they would let me out. So I had to fail my senior year in order to not have to go into the military. How did you fix that? 
<laughs> if you fail your senior year, you're you're fucking up more than just not going into the military. Yeah, I did. I fucked up a lot because of it. But it was either that or go in the go in the army for four years because I signed up for four years to get a special incentive instead. Yeah, it was a great idea. Yeah, good times. But see, that's not a hard thing because when you're like seventeen, like if someone had said to me at, when I was seventeen, eighteen, like, hey, you know. The, by the time you're in your mid thirties, which is where I am now, you're going to own your own business and work out of your home. I would have been like, the fuck I am. Yeah. That's not the path for me. I wouldn't have thought that at all. And yet here I am. You know, it's, it's a very interesting turn, but I went into the military. (laughs) So I was at the end of my high school, I was, you know, trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I had a lot of recruiters talking to me. And I went and I took the ASVAB. I think I told you, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what the test was. I knew what the SAT was. I knew what the ACT was. I had a bunch of people in military uniforms from various branches gather up me and a ton of other kids, put us into like a multi-purpose room, and we took the ASVAB. You took it at and your I didn't school? Know what it was. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know why I was doing it. I just knew that I was doing it. I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. And it got to questions like asking me if I knew how to change the oil on my car. And I was like, I drive it to the oil change place? Like, this fucking, I don't know. <laughs> I go to Jiffy Lube. Yeah. <laughs> I go to Jiffy Lube. Yeah. And, uh, and so I got through the whole test and recruiters started calling me more. And then as my test results came out, they were like, yeah, you qualify for ROTC. And I was like, I don't know what that is. And then they explained it to me like this is, it's essentially kind of like a delayed entry program, but you go to college first. They're like, you go to college, you'll do your four years, get your bachelor's, you'll commission as an officer, it's better pay. You know, you'll you get your commission, do four years in the army. And then, like, you're good. And you have your degree debt-free. Sounds awesome. Sounds awesome. And I was like, okay. And then I started looking into it more. And I was like, I knew I wanted to go past a bachelor's degree, educationally speaking. So I was like, well, if I do this and I, like, really commit to it, I can get all of my education and a shitload of work experience, like professional experience. And then by the time I'm retired, I'm still young and can do something completely different if I want to. And I'll have health care for life and a pension. Like that was my thought. Now, hold on. I have a question. Really good student. Your parents, your, your father was in finance working for the county, you said? Your mom was a teacher, like preschool teacher, and then you come to them and say, I'm going to go into the military. How did that go? I mean, they weren't exactly thrilled. No. But to put this into a, a bigger context, all of this was happening right after September 11th. Oh, shit. So okay. I remember. <laughs> yeah. So they weren't exact. My dad had wanted to go into the military himself during Vietnam, but his eyesight was so poor um, and he wears glasses and stuff even now that they wouldn't let him in. 
so I think he kind of got it. And when I explained my plan, they understood it. And they were like, okay, I think we can get behind this. It, the September 11th thing, it threw everybody for a loop. Oh, for, and for I sure. Remember, yeah, for sure. Fuck. Um, when I went, you have to go through an interview process for ROTC. Like with your cadre, which is going to be like your command, essentially, when you're there. Because they view the ROTC unit as like a mini army unit. Like you have a platoon. You have a squad. It's broken down into two parts. There's a leadership within all of that that are all college students. It is technically a reserve unit because R and ROTC is reserve. Right. So I went and interviewed with them. And I remember it was, it was three men. The lieutenant colonel, who was like the battalion commander, the major, and who I ended up spending a lot of time with when I got hurt because he drove me to a shit ton of appointments, and then this captain. And the captain had gone the green to gold program. So he was enlisted first and then commissioned as an officer. I'm glossing over a lot of those details, but that's how it happened. And he was special forces in the army and somehow got stuck on this ROTC detail. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> he lost rock, paper, scissors <laughs> or something there. <laughs> something. Somebody had to do it. And, and they, somehow he got drunk. Someone had to do it. And they were like, you. So I was sitting there in this interview. I remember I had like the worst case of strep throat ever. It's super hurt to talk. I had a shitload of homework that that was on the forefront of my mind. I don't feel good. I have all this homework when I get home. I need to do this for this class, whatever. And we're sitting there having this conversation on this college campus in their offices. And the captain looked at me and he goes, you know, like obviously September 11th. And I was like, yes, sir. And he was like, you do know that like the state of the world is going to change. And I was like, I, I, you know, basically I understand. Right. And he said, are you ready to die for your country? Did the and room I get quiet just like ours did just then when you asked that? Yeah. And literally pin dropped silent. And wow. I looked at him and I said, I, something along the lines of like, I understand that that's the reality of what I could be walking into. Because like very quickly after that, he said, you know, we're going to war. Because of it. And that was maybe two weeks after the towers dropped. Okay. And that was where his head was at already that fast. And then I got accepted into ROTC. And when I started and I was asking, he wasn't there when I started. And I was asking like, where is this? You know, where is he? When I interviewed like blah, 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 everybody else is still the same, but where's, you know, this particular individual. And they said, Oh, he deployed in October less than a month after the towers fell he was in afghanistan he knew like he totally and completely knew and he did end up thankfully coming home he did end up coming back to rotc and he was not the same person from the man that i had met wow and he he went back out at least two more times during the time that I was with them, he would just be gone and then he would come back and then he would be gone. And what I very distinctly remember is 
he was always like the quiet kind of stoic individual, you know, extremely professional, um, guarded is how I would really describe him. And I, in the beginning, I remember that he would interact with the students. And as time went on, I very distinctly remember him isolating himself. Like I, I have like one visual in my mind of us running like a PT session and everybody's on one side and like me looking off to a set of stairs that was like a football field length away from us. And that's where he was sitting was on the stairs. God. Yeah. That's, that's so telling the things he saw and and did and Mm -hmm. it it changed him who was already, you, you said he was a green beret. I don't know if he was a Green Beret. I was told that he was Special Forces. Special Forces. I was trying to remember which one you said. And he had already been through so much. Yeah. Good Lord. Right. Mm. But I remember the first, like every year at the end of every year, they would have an awards ceremony and like banquets and stuff like that. And the first awards ceremony that they had, um, I had my parents come. I wanted them to meet every, you know, they had met a few people. I wanted them to meet everybody. I wanted them to meet my battle buddy and like all that kind of shit. And like, we're, you know, fancy awards ceremony and they're handing out shit and whatever. And at the end of it, my squad leader came up to me and gave me a knife. And like, that was my end of the year present from him. And (laughs) my poor parents, because that was right after this happened had given the speech and at the end of the speech he said i just want you to know there's still a lot of bad people out there who need killing and then he walked off the stage and your dad swallowed his tongue he was like (laughs) holy shit i mean i i think that they understood and this captain in particular took a liking to my parents and would speak to them a lot I think it was just, it was very telling for where his mindset was. Sure. At that point. So I, you know, I was doing the ROTC thing. I was like, that was a huge tangent, whatever. I was doing the ROTC thing and I ended up getting really, really severely hurt. We were out on a training exercise. We were doing some repelling stuff off of um, towers that were at Camp Pendleton. So Camp Pendleton is a huge Marine base in California. It pretty much stretches between San Diego and Orange County. Like, it's gigantic. We're out there. We're doing repelling exercises. And I was doing an exercise called fast roping. And when my feet hit the ground, I shattered, fractured, and dislocated my right foot. So describe fast roping. I don't don't want to cut you off, but I want to describe fast roping. Yeah. So for fast roping is a way to get troops into... It's inserting troops into tight places quickly. So I think I gave you this analogy when we spoke the first time. If you've seen Black Hawk Down, when they go into the city and they're sliding down ropes out of helicopters, that's fast roping. And so you were training to do this out of a stationary building? Like a. Yes. So describe that. The repel power. So the rappel, I don't know how how many feet tall this rappel tower was. It was a huge-ass wooden ladder you had to climb up the side. No, you cannot have a fear of heights when you do this shit. And they had, so picture it's like a square. One side you have a flat wall, 
you're rappelling down it and your feet are on the wall. You're either going back first down the wall or face first down the wall. I preferred face first. It was more fun. (laughs) And then on another corner, they had a square hole cut out of the corner with like a rope suspended through the center of the hole. And you would do a free rappel. No wall, just straight down. Again, you could go like ass first or face first. Again, face first was what I preferred. It was more fun. And then in the center of this tower was a huge cutout. And that's where you fast broke down. So I remember I was the last one to go. For some reason that day, I did not want to do it, which was very weird. And people were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Because I loved repelling. That was like my thing. I loved repelling and I loved shooting. How many times had you done this before this day? A shit ton. Repelling was like no big deal for me. No fear of fights, nothing. And I actually have pictures of me. Oh, I could send them to you actually if you want. From that day. Mm. And I have a picture of me maybe... 15 seconds before my feet hit the ground. Oh my God. Do you have it like printed out and framed? Do you look at it often? I did not look at it for a very, very long time. I imagine you wouldn't. It's with my dog tag. Okay. And I don't know where it is now. I have a digital copy on my computer. But I I didn't look at it for a very long time. And the pictures, we took a lot of pictures post-injury. And I actually did not even look at those until maybe a month ago. I was uh, got to be a guest on another podcast with an Army vet. And he wanted a picture of me in uniform. And I was like, I don't know where the fuck they are. And I was going through like old photo albums and I pulled out this album and it was my foot injury. It was like everything. And I Oof. found some other old pictures. Oh, it was nuts. And my daughter, you know, I have scars on my foot. Obviously, I've had multiple surgeries. And so my daughter from when she was little has always like seen the deformity on the foot, which is slight, really. If you didn't know that this happened to me, you wouldn't know. I don't walk with a limp. I don't walk with any kind of assistance, thank God. Um, but it is deformed. All right, I'm going to put a push pin in this right there. Um, please check out Lisa's website, a healthful life.org forward slash saga, A H E L T. H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-L-I-F-E dot org forward slash saga. Um, She wants to track how many people are going there. That's awesome. There's going to be special incentives for people who are listeners of the show for coaching sessions. Um, She's getting ready to get into the meat and the dirt of her injuries and how she overcame them all. So uh, check it out. Come back for part two. Miss you. Love you. Talk to you guys later. Bye. That's what they said
Figured out me and the man in black. Well, I got cash. 